What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is presented by maybe you yeah you uh i'm looking at you if you're a small business owner you're a big business owner if you are um someone who knows of a business owner that is looking to get into the podcast sponsorship game please reach out to the chase Thomas podcast at chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com as we are looking for a new presenting sponsor of the show um what are you getting on this show well you're getting seven days a week of content uh, Monday through Friday, you're getting NFL stuff, you're getting NBA stuff, you're getting uh, college football stuff, you are getting pro wrestling stuff, you are getting interviews with former uh, MLB Hall of Famers, you're getting interviews with uh, writers of the week and uh, the New York Times and um, authors and former NFL GMs, NBA players, it's just all over the place. You're getting all this content uh, Monday through Saturday on Sundays. You're getting some film reviews with Musay and Thomas. You're getting uh, written content Monday through Sunday. Oh, yeah. You're getting uh, NBA stuff from me. You're getting college football writing. You're getting NFL picks. You're getting a Friday Nobody Asked Mailbag. You're getting my newsletter. On Saturdays, you're getting uh, pro wrestling recast from Raw, SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, Impact Wrestling. I'm covering it all. Um, I'm writing about TV. I'm writing about movies. I'm writing about uh, whatever I possibly can because I love to write and I love to do this podcast. So this is a very long intro, but um, I love what I do and uh, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep churning out uh, content every single day. Um, over 500 episodes to date of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Please go check it out and more at chasethomaspodcast.com. Uh, subscribe on Apple and or Spotify or wherever, it's, wherever else you get your podcast. I'd greatly appreciate it. If you're an Apple listener, uh, leave us five stars and a rating. It helps more than you know. Um, also, uh, I think that's uh, I think that's the big stuff is... Uh, just go check out uh, all that great stuff on chasethomaspodcast.com slash page 11 and uh, follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. And uh, yeah. All right. Uncle Darren. Let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello and welcome to a Friday afternoon edition of America's favorite sports writers i'm joined per usual up there in the northeast from the daily beast did not mean to rhyme there bob silverman bob good afternoon how are you afternoon chase <laughs> bob is excited to be back on the chase the most podcast with, i'm ready to roll he, he's ready to roll as the kids say um up there in the northwest of the Tacoma News Tribune, Andrew Hammond, who also now has a podcast. Andrew, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? Good, good. How is the podcast going, sir? 
Uh, good. Uh, into the archives with Aham. Cheap plug right there. Um, doing well. Uh, we start part one of the uh, part five BCS uh, mini series that we are doing, and uh, yeah, episode uh, three of the podcast comes out on Monday. All right, look out for that. Um, we have a lot of stuff to get into today. Um, there is a lot of sports happening right now. There's a lot of uh, push-ups happening inside uh, Washington, D.C., getting swole um, for RGB. You love to see it, folks. Um, the first thing I want to touch on first, though, um, Major League Baseball. There's been a lot of conversations about whether or not the sport is dying, whether or not the sport is in real trouble, and um, I think this offseason, I don't think fans are uh, all that aware of just this kind of nuclear labor war that we're about to get into because the CBA is up <laughs> and it's going to get ugly. The, we, we just move so fast in the news cycle that we just forget that the players were openly just like, we don't trust the owners and Jeter admitted that the players don't trust the owners. And um, it's just, it's going to be a bloodbath and I wouldn't actually be surprised if it's a strike riddled season next year. Um with all that being said, Major League Baseball uh, locked in a new deal with Turner that got them a huge raise, and um, baseball is probably fine, and I think sports might still be fine, but uh, the deal is worth $3.7 billion um, with Turner for seven years. Uh, Bob, when you saw this, what was your first thought? Baseball's back, baby! Yeah! First of all, I just want to say, like, extending with Turner, a network that seems to, let's just say I don't think Turner has had some of the most innovative ideas about how to package baseball and present it as an entertainment product. So that to me wasn't, like, not that any, not that I, I trust any cable or broadcast network to do a better job, but Turner just, uh they throw so many freaking bells and whistles at the wall and like the pregame show is such a jock chuckle fest. I, it's fine. It's fine. I, look, I think what we've learned is, is, you know, cord cutting notwithstanding, there has been so much talk and talk. I do not care about, about sports TV ratings. Yeah. As both a fan of sports and a person who often writes about sports. Oh boy. Could I not care less? <laughs> about TV ratings. Oh man, I know you could not be a wrestling care. fan in 2020, Bob. That is I, I all wrestling not. fans talk about. I watched I watched the Andre the Giant uh, 30 for 30 for finally last night. The HBO Real Sports Andre. I forget who. Maybe they made it together. In any case, I watched a short Andre the Giant documentary last night because Andre the Giant is cool. But holy crap, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if fewer people are watching the NBA. I don't care if more people are watching the NBA. I don't care if fewer people watch the NFL Monday night broadcast on week two this year versus last year. Even if you could, you know, atomize that data and parse out some kind of meaning about what that might say about the political beliefs of Americans or, or even just the viewing habits of Americans, I don't care. If NBA salaries go down, I don't care. I care about management screwing over labor and using declining TV ratings as a cudgel to extract concessions. That I care about. But I really don't care how much 
people are watching Wimpiet. And I don't know why anyone else would either. It baffles me. It, it's this weird thing of like, it seems to me that there's a percentage of the population that will hold up ratings again for the NFL and suddenly scream, see, this is proof that this is the real American sport or something else, or turn it into some, you know, culture war cudgel that can be used against an imagined other side when I just don't know who cares about this aside from the people who are paid because of it. Yeah, why do people in care about case. America's sport? Why do they care about who is, like, people get really up in arms and they're, when if you say America's past favorite pastime or whatever, that they get very insecure about that. I've never it's understood football. this. It's been football for thirty years. <laughs> it's fine. It's really fine. Yeah. More people watch football. What football did, which is very smart, and I don't think necessarily speaks to the quality of the product that they're presenting, is unlike baseball, basketball, hockey, or even really wrestling, wrestling somewhat, but, but wrestling has never been a contender. Sorry about that, man. Um, there is an exact time when everyone knows the football will be on. The football games are at 1 and 4 p.m. on the East Coast, mm. and the night game is at 8 p.m. On, that, on Sunday night, and then there's the Monday night game. And then they threw in the Thursday night game, too. But everybody knows that that's when the game will be on. And they gave them relatively few choices about which game they could watch. That, draw, that is what creates interest, is scheduled programming. That is why people, that has played a huge role, in my opinion, about why NFL ratings have skyrocketed so. I think it's also limited why number baseball is regional, right? Is that the only games yeah. that people know are their, their team's games. Like Braves fans know when the Braves right. play. They don't know when the Reds play. There is no major league, like the major league baseball game of the week was a thing that existed and drew in lots and lots of viewers. And they would just play a game on a TV network, a free TV network that was picked by the networks of major league baseball. And it was the popular and cool teams. And that was a show that people watched. Now, that, yeah, look, major league baseball broadcasts are regional, but clearly like, look, there will always be a value in live sports, because it is the only entertainment product that that whose value is dependent on watching it in real time. So that will. So of course, the Turner paid for it. Even in a market filled with increased cord cutting and diminishing returns and the diminished slice of the audience, you cannot TiVo a Major League Baseball game or an NFL game and really get much pleasure from watching it. I don't think um, not, especially now when, you know, look, I want to watch, say how Chris F. Sporzingis did the other night with the Mavericks. Freaking Dawkins will have a 10 minute mix of his highlights <laughs> up on YouTube. I have no idea how he does it. And like 15 minutes after the game is over. Like, okay, great. Now I know how Chris F. did and I'm fine. I can get on with my life. Andrew, what but do you think? You know, I, I just think, look, it, 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 it proves very little other than there's value in, in live sports as an entertainment commodity. And it also just speaks that nothing really matters. Like, Manfred's done an objectively terrible job since taking over. Like, he's just really fucking bad at his job. And he just got a, a gigantic raise. Like, they, this is a 65% e increase from the previous contract between these two parties. Like, this isn't... He's doing a bad job, and these owners, I wonder, and these commissioners, they just look at it, and they're like, 
this speaks to your point of just live sports is just still so valuable that it doesn't matter. Everything just doesn't matter. They're going to get it a raise. doesn't matter. You can you can you can you can get really fetishistic about length of games. He can install all all of these ridiculous rules during the COVID season. Doesn't matter. The core nature of the product, which is someone has to sit there and even if they mute it or walk away, the commercials are still playing and you can't fast forward. That is a massively profitable thing that is almost unscrew upable. Is that a word? No, but my point stands. Andrew, what do you think? All right. So I will disagree with Bob on one point. <gasps> I know. Um, there, man. I'm, I am, I'm a, fa- I'm not like the biggest fan of ratings because I think ratings, <laughs> pe- pe- people will take ratings numbers and they'll say, oh, well, th- th- this is why this is happening. This is why that's happening. I, I-, I think for people who want to skew their, ar- their argument politically, I think that's bullshit. Uh, the, the one thing I like when, when looking at ratings is how different time slots or how, how different teams uh, do in different time slots, how things carry over in terms of the year to year trend, say for example, uh, Sunday night football, you know, for, for the longest you had the Cowboys and giants opening up at either MetLife or at Jerry world every Sunday night for like three or four years straight. And you're just like, okay guys, this is stupid. This is annoying. So like we all kind of braced ourselves for it. And so say you're looking at the number, say the giants are coming off a super bowl and uh, you know, week two, they got to go to Dallas. So you can see the week two number from the year before and look at the one, you know, that, that is most current. So some of that stuff is fascinating just to see, you know, what, the trends are looking like for America in terms of, Oh, is, is, is the, is the audience kind of turned off by say the Patriots or, uh, are they kind of annoyed, you know, with, uh, you know, pick whoever team and whatever sport. So some of that stuff is kind of interesting. Sometimes the only thing that, that, that frustrates me about it is, when people turn it to political arguments saying, well, you know, uh, people, well, people are kneeling for the flag. I'm not going to watch. It's like, buddy, if perfect, the perfect example of how NFL fans will watch anything. And when they (laughs) say, well, I'm not going to watch that's bullshit. Uh, uh, Look at Jacksonville and Miami last night. There's absolutely nothing on TV across the board. I guarantee you, I haven't seen the number yet, but I guarantee you in at least two or three of those time slots that NFL coverage was top three. And this and this further, you know, this further val- validates my point that the NFL could put on a random game in March. They could put on a random NFL game on a random spring night, and I guarantee you. You could throw it up against anything on TV. It will be the number one show that night. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's just to just to just to buttress Andrew's point about politics. Like, 
by definition, there are a, a panoply of different things that the NFL, when the NFL expresses a political ideology that I find deeply, deeply objectionable, like uh, just labor law, public funding of stadiums, the violence bestowed upon athletes, the cheap jingoism that has been a part of the NFL for years. Like there's just a, a massive number of things that the NFL does that I find politically objectionable, even before you get to the flag that's somehow a hundred yards long. <laughs> and boy, do I not fucking care. And do I watch every week? I mean, I care. <laughs> it makes me think I disagree with that. That sucks. <laughs> I'm going to watch the death Colts game this weekend for fuck's sake. <laughs> And, it, 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 and Bob, here's, Bob here, here's, here, here's the thing that kills me. Um, and then I kind of want to get to my second point real quick is that people who, who will go out of their way and say, oh, I'm not going to watch the NFL. They're protesting or, or they've gone too political. I just want to be like, you watch the Olympics, right? Yeah. You watch, you watch any type of international competition, right? Yeah. You know, it's all basically kind of like a political we're better than you thing, right? So you should probably just not watch sports. Um, but Bob made a great point about having games on free TV. I am, and I don't know if this makes me a dinosaur or whatever, but for me, the way programming is and the way TV is now, it is it, it, it is basically begging for networks to put – baseball, basketball, whatever, on free TV during weeknights. Like, it is begging for that because essentially during the summer, and baseball is not what it used to be because, you know, you used to have Monday Night Baseball back in the day. Mm-hmm. You, you you can't – I mean, I think you can get away with it in, in, in some instances, but if you had a game on Fox every single week – I think that would definitely help. And I know with the new TBS deal or new Turner deal, they're going to have Tuesday night baseball on TBS, which is cool because I grew up watching the Braves on TBS. So it's, it kind of, it's a throwback to that. But at the same time, if it's the summer and you get a, can't believe I'm actually going to advocate for this, a Yankees Red Sox game on either Fox or NBC, what have you. And ABC is showing me a replay of Dancing with the Stars and, and everybody else is showing me reruns and and CBS is showing me some type of boomer uh, cop show. Yeah, I'm going to watch baseball because it's it's live. It's, you know, it's yeah, it's I mean, something the, the larger, interesting. The larger problem that baseball has is nothing to do with TV. Like and this ties into this question. People are like, you paid how many dollars to broadcast the sport? is I think it was about a year ago, there was a poll asking fans to name the most famous baseball player they'd heard of. Mm. And the number one response was Derek Jeter, who'd been retired (laughs) for five years. And the number two response was Tim Tebow. What? I believe it. That's not surprising, I guess, yeah. Well, the shout out to Rob Manfred for absolutely uh, doing the doing the fantastic effort of being hired to be a commissioner of a sport that, judging by his moves, he openly hates. Like this, yeah. I've never seen a person hate a sport as much 
uh, like Rob Manfred does, and it's maybe and, Gary Bettman, but it's a different kind of hate. If well, and, and the thing the we, and and the thing with Gary Bettman is we've kind of realized, oh, that's just Gary, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and during it, 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 honestly, it took a pandemic for us to actually appreciate how decent Gary Bettman does on a crunch, like. Mm-hmm. Mm, like, yeah. like the NHL, you, you'd figure the NHL is going to find a way to screw it up at every turn. But the one thing that they've done, one excellent thing they've done is they've kept everybody in the bubble. You know, like you Moved haven't had Canada. any bubble issues. <laughs> huh? Move to Canada. Right. It, it was, okay, we're just going to get out of everybody's way, do our own thing. Everything comes off without a hitch. But, you know, the issue for them now is how do you start a season, which... I think everybody's going to have that issue, but yeah, like Gary, Gary Bettman has done his basically just put his head down, done his job. And we're like, oh, this is good for you, Gary. Good for you. Yeah. Um, Did y'all see who is the highest selling baseball jersey this year? Uh, Mookie Betts, right? Yeah. Mookie's number one. Would you like to guess where Mike Trout fell in that top 10? I'm going to guess six. Zero. He is not in the top ten in jersey sales. So here. wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need a I need a TV timeout here. Um, you're telling me that arguably the greatest five tool player, maybe since Mickey Mantle, is not even a top ten selling jersey. That is correct. <sighs> Nobody knows who he is. Nobody oh, no, knows who he is. Anaheim man. It will. Uh, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. Don't get hot with me, Bob. Sure. <laughs> the dude. The dude. The dude's hobby is the weather. Yeah, he's, he's not the most compelling athlete <laughs> oh, of our time. Well, it, it, and, and you know what the funny thing about it is, like, yeah, Mike Trout. Mike Trout is the type of guy that's like, eh, you know, he's he goes and he does his job. Nothing wrong with that. Lunch pail kind of guy. Right. Well, and 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 the thing that Major League Baseball is like, well, let's just Mike be Mike. And I'm like, y'all, y'all, y'all understand that literally this man, by the time he is retired, he he could be perhaps the greatest player in Major League Baseball history. And you are treating him like a second tier NASCAR driver. Mm. Oh, you know what, though? Is Bubba Wallace more popular and more known than Mike Trout? Yeah, the answer is absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yes, without question. Yeah. Interesting stuff. And people don't watch NASCAR. That's the other thing. When I see all these people who are like with Jordan getting involved, watching every, I'm like, are you? Are you going to watch? Are you going to get into NASCAR at 32 years old? Are you? Chase, I will advocate for one point for NASCAR. Mm-hmm. If they get rid of the stages, you will bring people back to. If you get rid of the stages and you actually make the stages are, I've never watched a NASCAR event. I've been to Atlanta Motor Speedway one time. It was a horrible experience. Horrible. It is, and that's the that's the one thing for NASCAR. You need fun tracks. You need interesting tracks, and you need to get rid of stages because literally, I can sit there and pop in. Oh. There's three laps to go in one stage. There's three laps to go in the other. Man, eh, okay, cool, fine. I just nap during everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, look, the yeah. thing with baseball, look, the, 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 put a bow on this, Bob. The, the least, the least surprising thing that's come out of the bubble is like, 
Manfred saying they're going to keep the 16-team playoffs intact, which, of course, they are, because it allows the owners to put out really shitty teams and not spend money and yet say, look, we made the playoffs. And more playoffs equals more broadcast TV games, equals more more TV money. Gate revenue. More playoff revenue, more TV revenue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody wants a 16. (laughs) No one, no fans of baseball want this. None. I can, I, I mean, maybe that's anecdotal evidence based on what I see on the old Twitter timeline and yakking it, you know, when I'm, when I'm, you know, mixing it up in the, in the group chat with the boys, <laughs> but nobody wants this. Nobody wants this. It is purely profit driven. It, and now, and, and it takes the 162 game major league C baseball season, which already even at baseball's peak had something called the dog days because players didn't want to play and no one was watching in August. And now it renders it almost completely meaningless. It is, it is a short sighted smash and grab money play, and it is going to be bad for baseball. Real quick. Hey, Hey Bob, I I, I just want to, I want, I want to tack on one point for you. If I were commissioner, I would go back to the old school four teams in each. Yeah. Like, uh, cause I'm sorry. I, and, and, and I am the biggest advocate for play, like shrink the playoffs, make it like, make the divisions and make, yeah. make those matter again. Because the thing, the thing about it is like, I can look at a random November game between the Eagles and Redskins and uh-huh. if they're, you know, two and three in the NFC East, yeah, it, it's it's kind of important. It's but now it's scarcity. There are only sixteen games. Every game matters right. if you want to have a winning season. Well, but but well, but with the but with the expansion of the NFL playoffs, now it's just like, oh, okay, well, whoever loses, they're in trouble for maybe for a few weeks or permanently. And you're like, this is stupid. Why are we just bashing into each other? More than usual. I like, you know, this has been talked about with the NBA for a long time. I, I am a, I am very much of the belief that the NBA season shouldn't be more than like maybe sixty-six games long. Probably, 66. you're probably gonna get your wish next year. Well, that's gonna happen. It's a matter of course, anyway. But like. I have said other. It's not my idea. Even other smart people have said this or too. What the NBA, if the NBA is really concerned about shedding viewers, um, I would have it be 60 games. I would have most of the games be in your division, and I would have them only on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday nights, and one Sunday day of game of the week. And those are the days that everybody plays on. Or you know, a team will or a team will play like three out of the four nights every team in the league that eliminates all back-to-backs with travel, which grinds the players down to dust. And if the game, everyone knows that Tuesday night at seven 30 is when the NBA game is on, more people will watch it. Mm. And they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. It makes too much sense. That's why. It's short-sighted. It's because you just cost me a quarter of my gate revenue and yep. my TV revenue. 
And I'm like, yes, but I have a feeling more people will show up to each individual game and more people will watch each individual game than if you have all 82. But you cannot convince – the problem is, is that like – and this gets back to basic economics. Like so many of the ownership groups in the NBA right now, the reason they are buying these entities is because of the ability to sell them off at a huge marked-up profit. It, it Like I think – I read this somewhere, and I could be wrong, but I think most of the recently financed NBA purchases were done so with massive debt. And that debt requires collateral. Like you have to service that debt as an NBA owner. And I and like you know people talk about whether the NBA makes money and owners don't, don't make money. There are legitimate obligations that have to do because teams are bought with collateralized debt service. Because you know when we're talking sports here on the pod, that's what everyone wants to hear about. But I'm saying is like the leverage nature of these ownership groups is such that they that you know in their defense they can't really take major losses in revenue but by constructing a more logical season plan and again i i believe um if if i'm wrong you know hit me up in the comments um or my dms are open let me know if i'm wrong about my my very 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 rudimentary knowledge of 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 big business but like you know it's 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 like it's a mess look the will ponds did literally everything wrong for more than 20 years. And they went from being owned by a team owned by an ownership group that was the victims of a financial crime to someone who perpetrated financial crime. <laughs> and the, That's what we call and a the paradox. Were, yeah. The suckers of the financial crime came away with a massive profit windfall. Meanwhile, now they're trying to sell off their regional, their, the team-owned regional TV network, SNY. The value of SNY is set at $1 billion. Now, having your own regional TV network in the New York City market is incredibly, is, is like a license to print money. But it isn't for the Will Ponds, because every single year, the Will Ponds borrowed against SNY's future earnings in order to keep the team afloat because they got ripped off by Bernie Madoff. So the actual value of SNY is $150 million in actual revenue generating and somewhere around $850 million in debt payments. Yikes. That's how screwed up the economics of Major League Baseball. Well, I can't wait. I for got mad about the Mets. Sorry about that. It, it, it's <laughs> Sorry, I got great. mad about the Mets. Well, this naturally leads us to something that uh, we would not get mad at at all. I don't think we're going to get mad at this at all. I think it's funny, really. I think it's, it's funny. I'm not like mad. I'm, I'm not, not mad. mad. Um, Jason Whitlock. Okay, you need to get now I'm mad. <laughs> Go for it, Andrew. I, I just yacked for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I bite at the apple. Oh, God. I... Go ahead, go ahead, Chase. Go ahead, go go ahead. No, no, no. You. This is all you right now. I I am going to get out of the way for you and Bob here. This is okay, y'all's so wheelhouse. Yeah. Here's here here here's my thing with Jason Whitlock. Uh, th- this comes from a from a kid who whose parents and and my, and my dad, huge Chiefs fan, would 
get the uh, Sunday, you know, Sunday Kansas City Star, and you'd see Whitlock's column in there. And, you know, once you get the internet, you want to read Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock was a... He was controversial, but he also made you think. And you may have not agreed with him, but you're like, okay, that's an interesting point of view. Here's the thing about Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock realized that he has an audience and he had a majority black audience for a while. Then all of a sudden he, he got to, and this is no pun intended. He got too big for his britches and he started burning bridges. He is, he's essentially, he, he has a Keith Olbermann type, a personality (laughs) where, but, but the thing with Keith is Keith can walk into any room and he can hide that type A personality for as long as he can until it, it, it until it just comes out. The issue for Whitlock is he throws the personality out there first, and then you got to deal with everything that comes with it. Where Whitlock lost a lot of people was he was going to be the editor of The Undefeated. Once once ESPN launched the undefeated, he was he was going to bring in all of these writers. And you're thinking, oh, man, like this is because uh, the undefeated was going to take over page two. And so you're thinking to yourself, holy shit, like this is I mean, you had people who are now at the ringer and uh, all these other sites. You're like, wow, like this is a one. It's a diverse set of people it's people you want to read like people like half of them are at the ringer the other half is at the athletic like this was going to be a great a great vertical and then you you don't hear anything from it for like three four five months whitlock uh basically was like oh yeah no it's, it's gonna launch it's gonna launch and then after a while espn's just like no we're gonna like all of a sudden they get rid of whitlock he he's gone, you know. They 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 do an overhaul on it, and then like a few weeks later, uh, a, a, an article from I want to say Deadspin basically just blasted Whitlock, and a recording came out basically saying that you know I'm in charge of this, I'm in charge of that, and he said this in a in a meeting with the undefeated. The issue that Whitlock has done from that is, and it is. It's it's on him, but he's so vindictive and getting revenge on ESPN because they fired him like three times. He's like Billy Martin. Actually, he's, he's like he's like an uncool version of Billy Martin. You fire him and you're just like, then why did you fire him two, three other times? Um, but Whitlock has gone on this vindictive. If you don't like me, well, fuck you. And yeah, it's. It's sad because he's basically become the Uncle Ruckus of uh, <laughs> sports media. And it is it's difficult. 
it's depressing to watch because he is a very talented writer. But the thing is that he 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 always had this. Well, you know, pull your pants up, you know, put a belt on, you know, quit sagging type of vibe. But he he's embraced this whole. Well, the mainstream doesn't like me, which is funny because. He's he's essentially what and I'm not trying to get political when I say this, so I apologize if I do, <laughs> but it is this how conservative media outlets will say will blame the media when they are part of the media. Uh, he he and Clay Travis have basically just kind of joined hands and trying to single handedly bring down ESPN or bring down what they perceive as liberal uh, sources and liberal and liberal news outlets that cover sports, and it is depressing to watch a man basically just kind of continue to piss on his career. And I mean, there's a reason why you know Fox basically didn't renew your contract. Like, there's a reason why you can't. And like, if you go back to NABJ, they'll look at you and kind of turn their heads like there's a reason why Allen Iverson said what he said about you uh, <laughs> even, even, even though Iverson didn't say his name everybody instantly knew who it was um that was I mean, that was funny because I was like wait a second that was fantastic I, I, I didn't even I didn't even remember Whitlock having some kind of yeah I didn't either. I mean obviously there, there are obvious reasons why Whitlock might like turn up his nose at Allen Iverson and, and say some reprehensible stuff. But like, I was like, is he talking about like Kent Babb? Is he talking, who is he talking about? And right. like, like ever look in the mid, in the late nineties and mid two thousands, if you were a sports writer and did not have a scalding hot Allen Iverson is ruining the game take, you know, it was hard to get a press pass. Like everyone did that. It was, it was, it was, dumb and it was reductive and it was often like heavily influenced by racial overtones but like that's the thing like everyone did that so it was like oh really like Whitlock kept that up huh fascinating unsurprising go ahead man sorry to cut you oh no you're good um no but it, 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 and you know with with all of this stuff going on now you know you have uh, you know race, racial un, you know unjust and you know, Whit- Whitlock knows that his conservative audience is, and for some reason, I don't get what it is, but it's like when black analysts will go to Fox, Fox Sports, which are supposed to be separate from Fox News, they become all of they all of a sudden become conservative, and it's it's super weird because Marcellus Wiley, who was an advocate for Colin Kaepernick, yes, like, he was Colin, at ESPN. Like, Marcellus Wiley's he like turned to conservative. I've been stunned by that. I was like, really, Marcellus right. Wiley? And it's 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 this, and it it, it it's this strange like. Well, let me white explain to the black audience why this is good or bad. Like, let me white explain my point. And Whitlock has, has taken that and he'll basically say, well, yeah, no, like this is not how you do this. This is not. And it is frustrating to watch. And it's actually depressing to watch because it's like, 
dude, if like once you retire and once you look back at your career, you're probably going to say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I did this, I did that. But you can say all your accomplishments, but the way that you treated a Katie Nolan, the way that you treated a Maria Taylor, the way that, you know, ex athletes are basically gladly shitting on you for, for, for things that you've said, I, I wouldn't want that on my conscience. Like that would be difficult to go to bed at night knowing that people openly, and I'm not saying that, you know, as a writer, you got to kiss up to every athlete, you know, you critique them fairly, but I couldn't go to bed at night knowing that I've burned so many bridges and when I walk out the door, I'm arguably the most hated sports writer in America. Yeah, it's um, it's really, really sad. And I go back and forth on this, and I don't even know if I wanted to mention him by name on this podcast, but it's like, I, I, I it depends on like how you view America right now. It like how cynical, um, you want to be, and I. I don't know. Do you think this is ultimately where like he's just a thing of the past five years from now, or this expands his uh, his brand? Because I I don't know. I, I go he's back. He's going to be Andy Rooney. He he. And and thing is, I actually kind of like Andy Rooney. Andy Rooney used to crack me up. Um, yeah, I was at like I was at you know that preteen that was watching uh, sixty minutes because I was like, oh. Why, why my parents still have CBS on after the NFL and like Andy Rooney would be like the whiny old man, but it was kind of endearing, but you also realize he's kind of a crotchety old man. The hmm. issue with the issue with Whitlock is he's burned so many bridges that like five years from now and he's already doing it. He's basically just going to shit on anything that, people actually like like there was no reason to go after katie nolan the way he did but there, like, is there was an no argument ball like, has there, been forwarded to an automated oh, voice messaging Bob. system uh, there um there i think there is a a way to have a conversation about katie nolan we're like if you want to do some sort of constructive criticism about the style or something like i i think she's successful and i think she's very good at what she does but if you were to say that, like, this is not my cup of tea and, like, phrase it in not a gross, horrible manner and just be fair and objective, then right. that's okay. But the way he did it was clearly just trying. I mean, it's just very childish of, like, don't come at me in these streets and the way they're framing it. Um, and then celebrating having to, like, her having to go private on Twitter because of the harassment that yeah, he was that, sending towards that, her. That part pissed me off. Like that, that part is just, and bad. I don't even follow Katie Nolan. Like, she's one of those people on Twitter that's like everybody ends up retweeting her and sharing her stuff. That I'm like, well, there's no point in following. I mean, no offense, but I'm like, I'm gonna see you on the timeline anyway. Um, but yeah, like the fact that she had to go private, be, and yeah, and like all those outkick uh, idiots were celebrating it. That is uncomfortable. <laughs> like, like that is like, imagine if that was your sister or, uh, you know, imagine if that was 
you know, say that's like one of your homegirls or even your girlfriend right. who is into sports and has a following. And the fact that people like actually get on there because once you know sports, I when when the whole thing with Maria Taylor and Doug Gottlieb went down, it further it further pushes my point about what the modern old white guy no offense bob if you're still on uh probably back momentarily he is charging his phone yes gotcha um but it it, it's it's the momentarily you know it's that moment where you have a woman in sports and a woman who has one who has access and who has talent because that's mainly what doug gottlieb was and this, I still say that this is the reason why Doug did what he did. Is Doug and a lot of these old white guys are jealous of women of color, you know, men of color, and women in general of the platform and the access. Being um, I equated it to. When Carrie Champion and Jamel Hill were both at ESPN, mm-hmm. I would constantly see them, you know, tweeting out stuff, tweeting out their videos, tweeting out, you know, Sports Center hits, and all these men would just, and this is this is even white guys, this is black, Asian, all these dudes saying you don't, you don't know nothing about sports, and it's just like. Are you saying that because she's at ESPN and she has the access and the platform? Because, yeah, there might be somebody else that's more talented, but I don't see you attacking them the way you do. And there, there is something about the access and the platform that they have to say whatever they want, and they're encouraged to, that it rubs these old school Gen X and boomer white dudes, it rubs them the wrong way so much. And it's, it's, it's so grade school like, and it's so annoying to watch because Call it's like, has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging. Thanks Bob. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. He just so, told me to call back classic. Bob. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's annoying. And so it's like, it's like kind of grade school. It, it, and you're just like, this is so stupid, guys. What are you doing? And they know you're what they're doing. Too old for this. Like, this yes, is not like, okay. Doug like, Gottlieb. this is just a bad way to be a human being. Like, it's just, it's so frustrating because there is a, I don't know. Like, all of it's terrible, and I hate seeing it on the timeline. But my biggest concern is that if you look at the response, there is a huge subsection of our culture that is like, yeah. Go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, no one so, sucks. Yeah. Marie Taylor. Like, and it's just, that is when it gets gross and awful. And that's terrible because they're, it, it, he is feeding to the worst poor. Like, I don't want to say the whole deplorable thing, but it's just like, you uh, are it's, praying, it's true. you're preying on certain people's worst instincts here. And they're like, you'll see that shared. I guarantee you people in my family read that and were like, yeah. And it's just that kind of stuff is just garbage, especially if you like you saw yourself as like the guy who was going to lead the undefeated and then to just put this kind of stuff out there and to just throw away speaking to what you said at the beginning of just like 
throw away your entire career for this nonsense. It's just disgusting and horrible. Like, it just, it sucks that we cannot have these normal conversations and that, like, it was just an attack piece. Like, that was not a, hey, is this good? Like, if you want to honestly look at, I mean, we've seen this all across the board with different sports shows. Like, remember when Bill Simmons had his TV show? We were all like, this is just not good. It's not working. It didn't work. But that doesn't mean you have to come out. I completely a, forgot Bill Simmons had a TV show. Exactly. But if you want to talk about Katie Nolan's late night, Katie Nolan ESPN Plus app, her show. If you want to talk about like, hey, is this working? Or is this something that lasts 10 years from now? Does her, does she have to evolve or whatever? Like that is a fair conversation to have. And you can do it uh, professionally and objectively and not from a place where it's just attacking. If you want to talk about, um, didn't Maria Taylor like leave off Anthony Davis of all of her first, second, and third team NBA, all NBA? Yeah, and, and you can have a conversation about that. Well, like, there's and a way she to do legitimately it. admitted that it was a mistake. Like, yeah. it was a it, it it was a mistake. Like, she openly admitted to it, and, and then it was like, wait a minute, what? Wait we're really complaining and the thing is she didn't even have the worst ballot yeah like there were people who who, there was a guy who put andre drummond on nba second team i think that i think that's what it was you're like wait a minute what but you know it's and as much as i respect some of the work that Laker beat writers and and Laker centric media do them being all in on LeBron being MVP was like Laker propaganda, which is, which was bullshit. Uh, But like watching the ballots go public and seeing all the Laker beat writers and, and ESPN based media in LA all vote LeBron James. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, and it, it, it goes back to having that access, uh, so to speak, a, a part of it is, and uh, not all of it is, but part of it's like, well, if I still want to kind of get in good graces or stay in good graces with LeBron, I'm going to have to at least vote him MVP, which some of that might be valid. I mean, some of that, you know, might be more, okay, yeah, he really carried this team. And he, he did have a legitimate MVP argument. I just thought the dynamics of him getting all the L.A. based votes or or majority of the L.A. based votes was pretty hilarious. Uh, But, yeah, uh, Maria openly admitted to making a mistake. And then but there is a way to talk about it where you're like, hey, what happened here? Like this is but people are looking for it's like they're I one of my biggest concerns here is like when you're Maria Taylor or you're Katie Nolan, like when you put yourself out there like that and you're, there are people looking for reasons to discredit every single fuck up. They are looking for every single reason for you to find a way to screw up. And, you know, the fact that, you know, Maria was like, yeah, like it was a simple mistake. And even Joe Turner saying, yeah, just go ahead and take my ballot. And it's like, it's like Maria, you, it's okay. Like nobody is, faulting you like it had she doubled down and yes given all these cockamamie reasons as to why then yeah i i would sit there and go okay maria i love you but 
this was no, like just no. Um, the, the thing that did kill me about this though is that Laker fanboys and even if you defended Maria Taylor, like they were hopping into, they hopped into my, my mentions and were so upset that Anthony Davis wasn't selected to one of the three teams. I'm like, <laughs> and it, once again, this goes back to sports and like you and I, we both love sports. And Bob, who who is not here, but, you know, he loves sports. But there is a subsection of our current sports culture that I I want them to – I want them just to take a breath, go outside, walk around. It's not that serious. Find yeah. a hobby because, the, yeah, it's not that serious. Like it's – if you are being if you're so moved to typing up something on your phone or on a computer and you're saying, "Oh, were you we do this all the time, but thing is we actually get paid and we actually understand some of the logic behind these things. But if you aren't getting paid and it doesn't affect you personally, like people are taking a personal slight that People like me and uh, many others were actually like, it's okay. Like, it's is Anthony Davis's all NBA bonus going to them? No, it's not. Anthony Davis probably doesn't even know them. I have a way to solve all this. Just give Zach Lowe the complete autonomy to do all this. Just let Zach Lowe pick first, second, third team all NBA. Then we're all good. Hi, guys. Bye. I don't know why my phone isn't charging. This sucks. I hate it. (laughs) I'm I'm in the camp of if you're going to do like all whatever, this is what you – and to me, this is what how you should do it. You should do it like the NHL does with the uh, Rocket Richard Award. Or no, it's the Ted Lindsay Award. Let the players – Decide. Let the players decide the all-star games. Let and this isn't all awards and and sports. Yeah, or then, at least Carmelo Anthony would keep winning, be named all NBA teams and shit like that. He would. Yeah. Well, all right, let's get back let's let's get back on the show because suddenly it's like two fifteen and I'm late on everything. Sorry, and this is entirely my fault. I suck. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing. Are we recording? The last topic. No, we are still going. We have been going. Me and Andrew have been going and been like, oh, okay. Bob just was out on us and he doesn't love us anymore. And we were we were just going through it. Um, the last he was thing, talking to Whitlock. Yeah. Oh, do you, do you want to hear my Whitlock take? I'll keep it brief. Yes. All right. I mean, here the the funny the funniest thing to me about that we've learned about Jason Whitlock in, in recent years is his is that according to the Washington Post, he paid half a million dollars for equity in Outkick.com. That's, that to me is like, in order to be able to get off these really, and I cannot stress this enough, deranged takes that he posts on a daily basis, he paid half a million dollars for a stake in Outkick. Um, and, and like the weird thing is like 
it's just at this point, like, you know, granted, I have reported on Jason Whitlock and written about OutKick on multiple occasions. And it's one of those moments where I'm like, is it worth even paying attention to this troll? Because he really does. Oh, I mean, it is such a shameless ploy for attention. I don't know to what degree he believes any of this. I I don't even. And even if he doesn't, like either way, it's still awful. Even if he does believe it or if he doesn't, either way, it's shameful and just absolute bullshit. He's it's real quick. Or sorry, Bob. Yeah, he was a good to to Andrew's point eight years ago. He was a good columnist at the Kansas City Star. Like those were solid columns. Like. The prose was not dazzling. The insights were not superhumanly profound or anything like that. But they were solid sports columnist stuff. Like there is absolute. Like you could read that and think, yeah, that's good. Or yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, but okay, made his point. The things he's doing now are so far removed from that it boggles the mind. And my favorite part of all this is like. You know, for all of his his very, very, very strange respectability politics and very weird talk about the sexual pathologies of people who are of mixed race, dent, like, you know, backgrounds and things like that. It's like when he sits down now to write a sports qua sports article, like he does this now, he'll write like once a week, I think. Just to, here are some 10 things I think about the NFL games this weekend. And really, it is to my eternal shame that I'm aware of this at all and read it. Um, but they're so bad. <laughs> it's, when you ask him now to stick to sports, it's like Tom Brady was better this week, but the real credit goes to Tampa Bay's defense. Mm. And... and <laughs> Anything else, man? You you were a, you you covered a football team locally. You've been watching the end of like that's it. That's all you. Anything like Russell Wilson is the MVP after two weeks, and maybe Aaron Rodgers will be better. But right now, the the race is over, and it's Russell Wilson. God. Okay. Very profound. They are. They are, they are just uh, like if you saw them on, uh, whatchamacallit, if you saw it as a fan post on some, you know, like team message board, you would roll your eyes and walk away and be like, okay, buddy, thanks for that. Thanks for your, thanks for your, thanks for eating all that tape and regurgitating that information. It's like, that's the laughable thing to me is like to do, like, not like I am, I'm not, I have never been the kind of reporter who's like, okay, I'm going to break down how they're beating a cover two defense in here and why like the pre-snap reads are, are, are affecting like the middle linebackers have been inability to keep up with the tight end. It's like, I can't do that. There are people who are very good at that. And, and I read those blogs because I like to know these things, but for someone who spent so much of his time howling about the politicization of sports and how, like putting Black Lives Matter on the court is ruining the game. When he tries to just go for the hot sport, like just to write about the field he ostensibly covers, it is so laughably bad. 
it, it really almost brings a smile to my face. So, like, you know, as opposed to, like, the pathologizing of what happened to him, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's really, to be honest, if he weren't such a vindictive bastard, I, I think it would be, you could see pity in it, I think. I think there is a exactly. way to... Have- there is a way to have empathy for what one person has become who's, who, you know, uh, who really did lose. He lost his way, if you want to, again, get into Whitlockology. It's because, like, he got to go on Oprah when he blamed the Rutgers basketball team after Don Imus said some dumb racist stuff on air. Like, he got on Oprah. He got on cable networks. He was made famous by that. There are people for whom fame is a bad thing and fame does not make their lives in any way better, you know, bank account size, notwithstanding. And, and if I was going to armchair psychoanalyze Jason Whitlock, I think that would be my answer that that level of notoriety really curdled something profound. And it is kind of said like the dude could have been a very, very cromulent sports columnist for the entirety of his career. But I think that's over. Yeah, I think that's that's long gone. If if you want to read his weekly NFL takes, I'd rather not. I I, I I don't want to encourage this kind of behavior, but if you're curious, you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm if good. you like, Thanks. if yeah. you if you feel the need for a hate read or something like that, or if who's uh, y'all's no, favorite hate read? This is interesting. Like for favorite hate read article, who is it for both of you? I. For me, favorite hate read. I don't have hate read articles. I have hate subject matter. Like I will get obsessed with mm. really weird, vile things. Years ago, I won't say who, but I was doing going to about five years ago. I was working on a long profile of a very prominent individual who has since been canceled. Um, who was a popular far right. I don't know what a provocateur let's call this person. Mm. Uh, I think I know who it is, but go ahead. Let's, let's keep it, keep it on the down low for now. Um, but I spent, I spent about six hours interviewing this person. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking to this person. I read every single thing I think, or as much as I could stomach as this person had published on the internet. I read voluminous I, I was fascinated by this person in a oh my god this is vile kind of way and this was again like I started working on the story in like August September of 2015 and so you know the camp the campaign had just kicked underway but you know Huffington Post was still shoving coverage of the Trump campaign at the entertainment section lol owned good job guys um and you know, it was still sort of seen as this weird sideshow that would collapse upon its own weight soon enough. But there was a post-Gamergate ascendant far right, and this was interesting to me. So I read so much vile stuff, and I spoke with pers- with people who this person had covered. Um, I got really paranoid because every single interview subject told me that I was going to be doxxed once the story was published and that I had to lock down every scrap of information I had online and that you should inform my local police station about a possible swatting that might occur. Um, I did all these things. Um, yeah. And I wrote, I wrote a long profile. I wrote like, I wrote, I wrote a long thing. I got it. I filed a draft to an editor. 
um, spent a lot of time on this story and it ended up getting killed for reasons that are not entirely clear to me. And that's okay because not like, I'd like to think that the things I, I, the way I framed this person's ascendancy was profound and insightful and good. Whatever the case may be, it still wouldn't have mattered because it's still like, it, it would not have done anything to like impact this person's increasing popularity. It would, you know, like the, but I sometimes get fascinated by horrible subject matters and I start consuming them way too much ostensibly as research for a story, but not always, if I'm being completely honest, like I've got, there's another person who I'm doing some research on right now, who is a very popular uh, YouTube pundit. And I have watched, let's call it a lot of their content. Mm. So given the addictive nature of my personality, I, I would say that it's not people as much as when I find a subject that I find fascinating and yet repulsive, I'm unable to sometimes stop learning more. That might be bad. Andrew, that might be a thing I should not do. Um, I don't really necessarily have any hate reads. Like there's, there's nobody that I'm just like, Oh, well, you know, let me see what, you know, what shit they're saying now. Like I, 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 I don't have anything like that. Uh, the one thing that I can't stand is hot takes that shouldn't be hot takes, but then they, they become blown out of proportion. Um, and I don't care if it's a long read. I don't care if it's a 200 to 400 word read. If we're, if you're blowing something out of proportion and if you're wasting time on something that is probably going to go away within a day or two, and, and and not I've, I've always had this philosophy on sports and, and maybe this is why you know maybe this is why I feel like I, I come I'm kind of like a dinosaur in this industry not every reaction needs a reaction like you don't <laughs> need to what oh I know, right? can I just say the emergency pod stuff I hate with a daunting passion. Here's my thing. It better be either a coach firing. It better be a team melting down. Like if, if, if if you're going to have an emergency pod, like it better be for something that's going to, that's changing things. Like if it, if, if it is a sports are shut down because of COVID. Sure. Do an emergency pod. But yeah. if you do an emergency pod, Chip Kelly fired from UCLA, I'm going to hate you. I'm going okay. to hate you. I, I, will, I, will, I will say if, if it is immediate reactions and the immediate reactions take, you know, are, are, are more than, you know, 30 minutes, you better have a damn good reason as to why your emergency pod is lasting more than 30 minutes. Like it should be, okay, this happened, you know, so-and-so, you know, did this or whatever. Like you better give me a good reason to listen. Um, and honestly, I don't mind the emergency pods, but if you are creating drama just to create drama, and if you are 
are creating controversy and hot takes just to have a hot take. And that's another thing I hate about sports media. Guys, if you're going to have a hot take, let it be original or or don't regurgitate what you Don't call you it a hot take. Don't call on. it a take. Just have it a just do the research and come up with your own opinion and think right. about it and just put it out there Thank and see you. what happens. Don't go into it like, "Ooh, what is the juiciest thing I can pull from this thing?" That should not be your mindset yeah. ever. I'm fired up. I feel like we, I hate we, this. We we, <laughs> we need to, we need to teach a uh, a, a class for young journalists like this is what you think is cool like you're gonna hate in five years like and just get it out of your system now because if if you think your hot take is going to somehow shift the dynamic it's not it's i mean you might lose some followers you might piss some people off but nobody cares i think that's why i have like so so few followers now because people just know that I don't do hot takes. I don't do hot takes, and if I do a hot take, it's gonna piss everybody off. So eh, I don't know. I mean, it's. I wonder if, like, you know, look, there was there was there was a whole sports journalism industry built around the hot take merchant, like the Skip Baylessing of sports media, and like that was, you know, just to go back to to sort of Whitlock, like the. It used to be that a newspaper would kids re- Google newspaper and it'll tell you about it. Um, it used to be that a newspaper would like have a columnist. A columnist would include opinions in their in their in their coverage, and that was like all you could get. And then like the internet spawned an entire sort of take based industry online. And I'm wondering if that's kind of dwindling out because honestly, like I don't even. Maybe I'm just, you know, reading different things and so I don't notice it, that it's still there and it's still incredibly, you know, and so incredibly important part of like sites' coverage. But there just aren't that many freaking sports sites left anymore. Like, I think yeah. it is dwindling. I, I would agree. I think I think it's dwindling and people are real. And the, the thing about COVID and whether it's a it's it's a curse and a blessing is that. There are places and there are outlets who made their money off of clicks and made their money off of all of these things happening. Well, what's ha- what happens when there's no games? There's no there's no ad revenue anymore. There's no right. And, for like this. There's nothing. Yeah, and 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 there's no. I can't watch a Pistons Kings game. Give you a you know uh, a, a gallery of. T- of takes on slides, I can't. I can't do that anymore because there's no games. Like I can't give you a hot take or immediate reactions. Like sometimes the immediate reaction is, okay, it was another game. Like, like, like th- 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 this this game does not mean anything in the abstract. So there's really no re the the reaction is no reaction. But you know, of course, everybody needs a reaction to something. And so yeah, no, uh, COVID for better or worse has definitely mainly changed worse. the dynamic <laughs> mainly worse uh, yeah mainly worse it. but 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 for some places it, it really showed that your takes aren't needed like you, your 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 takes no, every day none of it, are not needed none of it is needed none of it is needed like no one like the the the, the men scream like like you know, afternoon pro- like TV programming of 
mainly men screaming about sports. It's just so, it's just been revealed as so vapid and empty and, and like kind of sad. Not that and, everybody didn't know this already, but it's like it took everybody watching it to realize this, this stuff kind of sucks. Yes. Welcome to 2010. It, 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 it was shit then and it's shit now. I think that's how we should wrap. It was shit right. then and it was shit now. Uh, this <laughs> was a gonna really be my happy book. pod. This was a really happy <laughs> get get into this Friday. You, you know, I, I, I'm sorry in advance, folks, if you were looking for a, a happier uh, start to your weekend. But uh, we're being real on this podcast. It's hot takes it for is the full weekend, hour. We're so. going hard at sports media. All right. No. Um, Bob, what can we read from you this week in the Daily Beast? Uh, there's, uh, I don't have anything uh, new this week. I'm working on a bunch of different stories that hopefully will come soon. But uh, for now, just, you know, if you check out my Twitter feed, Bob Sayed, I'm sure I'll, I'll post about it. I do like posting. I'm often posting. You're always I like online. that. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Andrew, what can we read from you and check out on the pod this week? Uh, read nothing from me because basically it's <laughs> Nothing. I mean, like, like, there, like there's no, not, nothing like, really Jesus, new. Andrew. Yeah, Hold on. N- nothing really new or interesting. But, 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 I do have uh, the part one of our BCS series. I'm interviewing uh, Jack Crosby from, uh, let's see, from uh, CBSSports.com. He's the uh, college football editor there. So we're going to talk uh, the early years and early stages of the BCS. So that'll be uh, that'll be when that comes out on uh, monday all right keep up the great work sir and uh guys always a pleasure love talking uh sports ball with you on friday so (laughs) we'll be back uh again soon tennessee plays tomorrow so i will be uh first game day in knoxville as a student it's gonna be cool i'm excited go balls go balls there we go i like it that is how we wrap up here (laughs) thank you as always good sirs and we will talk again soon all right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Hope you loved it. And if you did, guess what you should do? You know what I'm going to say. Leave five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave a nice five-star rating. That's all I ask. Leave a review. Tell people who are not listening to the show or come across it on Apple or wherever they get their podcast why they should listen to the best independent sports podcast today hosted by the best in the world at what he does chase thomas i think that's me yeah i'm the aforementioned chase thomas so go do that today i appreciate it go check out chase slash page hyphen 11 where you'll get all of my writing yeah writing every single day please go check that out um just check out the website as a whole um go to the patreon you can support us there at patreon.com slash chase thomas writer um yeah I appreciate the support as always. I don't think I said um enough in this new closing, but if I did not, um, please keep uh, listening to the podcast. I greatly appreciate it as we continue to grow and become the number one sports podcast in the world. Thank you as always. And uh, you'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran. 
Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.